Oh, once. The, the movie that makes Nate jealous because he's not him. <laughs> jerk. He's a jerk for existing. So you want to be Glenn Hansard? No, I don't want to be Glenn Hansard. Glenn Hansard makes me not want to be me. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. That's great. Oh. Stupid jerk face. Stupid jerky beard and guitar. <laughs> Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail. I'm Nate. I'm Brian. If, if anyone wants to also chime in here, that'd be fantastic. I'm Steve. <laughs> I'm Kevin. I'm Tom, and there will be spoilers. You sounded like Eeyore. <laughs> That's true. That is not the first time somebody has called me Eeyore. So yeah. <laughs> On this podcast or just in general? Yes. In general. <laughs> well, no, the way you said, and there will be spoilers. <laughs> Thanks for noticing me. So uh, we got a weird one for you today, listeners. We're talking about unexpected musicals. Just a heads up, not only will there be spoilers, there's going to be some uh, strange conversations. This was my fault, my choice, my pick. And uh, I chose uh, Phantom of the Paradise, which is a musical from Brian De Palma. For those of you who don't know Brian De Palma, that name might ring a bell. He is a famous director who's uh, pretty prolific and he's still kicking, still making movies. You probably know him for The Untouchables and Scarface. Carrie, of course. But this was his foray into musicals. It is, uh, how do I describe this movie? If the guy who made the music for the Muppets did Phantom of the Opera, that's what this movie would be. Because that's exactly what happened. Talk about the guy who makes the music for the Muppets like that. <laughs> he made, yeah, that's Tom, he made this movie. This is what he did. That's Paul Williams. That's him. That's his whole, this is the guy who wrote Rainbow Connection. Decided to Tell write him. The guy who... <laughs> We're going to have to, Tom. We're going to have to go there. He decided that he wanted to make himself a sex symbol. By the way, in this movie, he's 32. What? <laughs> I'm dead serious. He's as old as I am. I, was, I like looked it up. And I was like, what the hell happened to this man? <laughs> that is the oldest 32-year-old I've ever seen in my life. He, he looks simultaneously too young and too old. Yeah. I feel like maybe... He just spent too much time having his mother tell him that he was attractive. Like, oh, you're so cute, sweetie. I don't know. This is a weird movie. So go through the plot of this. Just a summary Can of the plot. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, All right. why, that's why I want you to try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's a summary of this plot. So this, this movie started, I think, when Brian De Palma did cocaine. Um, if this movie proves anything, it's that Brian De Palma did cocaine at some point in his life. Um this movie is about a Art Garfunkel ripoff guy, played by William Finley, whose name is Winslow, who uh, sells his soul to a guy named Swan, and then it becomes a Faustian tale. He gets his head crushed in a record press, and then it becomes Phantom of the Opera. Um, in between all of this, there's lots of... You forgot about the part where he was here. arrested. Oh, that's right. He's and had his teeth ripped out. That's right. And he turns into Jaws from uh, James Bond. 
Meanwhile, there's a girl that I guess he's in love with who's in like two scenes. And uh, there's some weird scenes with like a rockabilly group, which also turns into a Beach Boys cover band. And then they turn to Kiss, right? Yeah, that about covers the plot. And at the end, we find out that uh, Paul Williams' character also sold his soul to the devil. And now it's a portrait of Dorian Gray. <laughs> wow, this movie is a lot deeper than I gave it credit for. <laughs> I don't know if it's a lot deeper. Well, I just think it's it's just like it's just it's a hodgepodge of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Tom hasn't finished his apple yet. So, uh, Steve, talk to us about the Phantom of the Paradise. So we we watch buried movies sometimes, and uh, in the case of although I don't know if Whale Rider was completely buried but it was something that not i think not a lot of people have seen and that was a sort of a hey look this movie is buried and it shouldn't be buried and then we get movies like this where we're like oh yeah that, <laughs> nobody should ever watch this movie this movie is a cult following though this movie is rated 7.4 on imdb that's insane 67 percent well, on metacritic this is seen as a good movie the last, this is in the top thousand on flick chart the last five years or so have shown that that, that humanity is just completely insane so <laughs> I, I i don't the, the music is awful the songs yeah. are terrible. yeah it is not what the bad, hell not, it's not it's bad it starts out with bad 50s music ripoff and goes to bad 70s music ripoff and kind of then swings back and forth between 70s and 80s even though this was 79 right 74 this was 74. Mm-hmm. They somehow managed to preemptively <laughs> discover bad 80s music. There's not a single character in this that I'm rooting for, right? At least there's there should be somebody I'm like, I'm on that person's side. Nobody. What about Nobody's the, good. the girl? No, she's just in it for the fame. She's willing to literally sell her body to this skeevy old man for fame. Yeah, unfortunately, well, as soon as she goes old, for Swan, skeevy 32-year-old. Yeah. To, for money. So she's not into it. Wait, Swan was 32? He's yeah. 32. <laughs> I, actually, I know. I got to hand it to him because he looked exactly the same in Smokey the Bandit in the late 80s. Oh, <laughs> so he just peaked early. Smokey and the Bandit was 1977. <laughs> okay, well, I've, it seems like any 70 or 80s But again, movie, that movie feels like an 80s and movie. And had I not... He's also like, he's... I mean, he is a... I, I have to say, now having seen this, I now call him a composer of sorts. Like, before this, I would have said he's a composer. But uh, this, by the way, this movie is his only Oscar nomination. For what? For the song Phantom of the Paradise, apparently. Okay, uh, so is it just me? There is not a single good song in this. Yeah, I fully suck. agree. Yeah, there, this is yeah, terrible. And I like 70s music. I do, I do, too. Yeah, this is shit. Especially musicals. We're not talking about Hedwig and the Angry Inch yet, but... Right. I watched these back to back, and watching Hedwig right after watching this, it's like night and day. It's a completely day. different oh, yeah. world. Yeah, there's not a single like I can't even like thinking about this. I think of what happened in the movie. There's not a song or a kind of a bar I could hum or anything that stuck no. with me. And there, there's also the weird Beach Boy scene, yeah. which I'm just it pissed me off with Brian De Palma because it that's totally oh, that on him. Split scene thing, the split cut where I couldn't hear the terrible. song, I couldn't understand what was going on, and then a bomb suddenly went off. And I think it was supposed to be played for laughs. I'm assuming um, he just killed all those girls that were in the car. Yeah, yeah. 
I think this movie, this movie has to be a cult movie because of how bad it is. It feels like a yeah. really, really, but this is like a terrible um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? But the difference yeah. is Rocky Horror Picture Show ha- is understands that it's a cheesy B movie and it has good music. It has good music and it's a unique story. This- yeah, like Rocky Horror was a, an homage to a lot of movies. But this it was a good feels, spoof. It was a good right. example this, of its this genre. Feels, this feels and, and you can't, re- you really can't not compare the two. Like this in Rocky Horror, because Rocky Horror came out one year later. Well, the movie came out one year later. I wouldn't be surprised if Brian De Palma and Paul Williams went to see Rocky Horror on stage and were like, "Yeah, let's do something like that." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I can't even think. I'm trying to think of anything about this movie that was redeeming. And I can't. I honestly cannot think of a single redeeming quality in this movie. And then the Garrett Graham, like, meatloaf character? Beef. Beef. <laughs> I think you're right. I think he did go see Rocky Horror. Yeah, there's, there's so like, much of this. Yeah. That is just a, a rip. There was a part I was watching. I was like, why don't you just get meatloaf? Because um, well, Rocky Horror started out as a stage show in 74, right? And this is a really... Interesting comparison to Hedwig because you have a similar character, the, the sort of um, sellout rock star character, but it's it, it, this is exactly how not to portray that character. <laughs> We're supposed to, he's supposed to at some point become sympathetic, and he doesn't because he's just a sellout and he knows it and he's cool with it. Wait, which character are we talking about? The I feel like both, all of them, every character. <laughs> no, the the main rock guy that sings his songs and stuff. Right. Oh, the, okay. Yeah. The, the Phantom. No, not the Phantom. The, He's talking about Beef. Yeah, because at one point oh, oh, oh. he says, "I've been doing this for a long time. You know, I know what I'm doing. I know how to like sell out arenas, kind of thing." So he knows he's a sellout, and he doesn't care. Like that's his job is to be a sellout. Brian, how'd you feel about this? I didn't hate it. Um, <laughs> like ironically, or <laughs> uh, probably, but. Um... <laughs> I thought the sound quality in the movie overall was terrible. Like yes. everything had this weird reverb on it. I had to uh, st- I had to take off my headphones. I could not listen to this through headphones anymore. Like everything sounded like it was being told as a dream sequence from a 70s movie. Like where <laughs> everything has that like little bit of reverb because that's what it is. like it's a little ethereal and blah blah but everything had that the whole movie. But you know Phantom of the Opera meets Faust. I was okay with it. Yes, the songs are bad, and I'm almost curious as to whether or not that was intentional. Well, I, I've I've discovered I've we've talked about this a lot, and we've said, or at least I've said, and I think Tom's agreed with me in the past that there's nothing worse than a comedy that isn't funny. Yes, I've said that many times. And, yeah, but I there is something worse: a musical with bad songs, where every song is bad. Yeah, like, that is that's worse than a comedy that isn't funny. Because then you start dreading. You're like, oh no, another song number is going to come up. You start dreading the song numbers as they come up because they just get increasingly bad. Wasn't this also supposed to be funny? If it was, yeah. I missed it. And that. it's not funny. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's ironically funny. There's. It's funny how bad it is. But the stuff that they're that's supposed to be funny does not. It, it can't be ironically funny if it was intended to be funny. If it was intended to be funny, then it's ironically not funny. Uh. <laughs> you broke Tom again. <laughs> Kevin, how'd you feel about this? Uh, I went into this after our first couple of minutes thinking, okay, yeah, I'm just, it, it's the kind of movie where I, I know it's 
I know it's going to be a bad movie, not in the sense where I'm going to hate it, but I know it's going to be a bad movie, whether it was trying to be or not. Um, but I, I thought whether, even though the music was not good, and we've already talked about that, um, I, I thought I'd be able to kind of just roll with it uh, and listen to another bad song. But it it was like almost like fingernails on a chalkboard kind of bad where you can't ignore it. And I'm listening. I only watch this two days ago. Mm-hmm. I think I watched it on Friday. You guys are bringing up scenes that I'm going, wait, when did that happen? <laughs> I, I cannot wait to fully forget this movie. Um, so let's let's grade this. I was I was off by a year, by the way. Rocky Horror started in 73, so they would have had plenty of time. Plenty of time to see Rocky Horror <laughs> and rip it off. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Tom, what, what grade would you give this? Uh, I kind of feel like I'm being charitable giving it a D. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a D. Okay. Steven? Yeah, this gets an F. This made me realize what the new low is for a movie. It's a bad, <laughs> bad musical is the new low. <laughs> I'm also giving it an F. There's just, there's nothing, I can only appreciate this in the sense of like making fun of it. There's nothing qualitatively that I enjoyed. Uh, Kevin? Uh, I'm giving it an F. It, it's not my new low for a movie. It's my new low for a musical. I would say this is not my new low for a musical, but I don't remember the name of the movie. I'd have to go back and look at the bottom like 20 of our flick chart and figure out what the <laughs> worst musical we've done was. Other really, really bad musicals? We might I want to say it was in Spanish. Victoria. Oh, Victor I want to say Victoria. it was in Spanish. Wasn't oh, like was it that Portuguese th- one? Maybe. Um, Amor something? With the old ladies? Was like the, no, uh, that wasn't a musical. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> I want to say there was a... We did the Little Red Riding Hood kid. How did, how did Amor... Not Amor. I, I like Amor, but that's... That, Nobody likes Amor. <laughs> I did. Really? Are you remembering that film right? Yeah, it's about old people dying, right? <laughs> Kevin's yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, am I thinking of the right movie? Yeah, but it's not happy. It I was... didn't say it was happy. I said I liked it. Um, I like do you mean maybe dying. little? <laughs> do you mean <laughs> maybe like do. Little Good Riding Hood and the Monsters? Yeah, I thought. Yeah, it's probably that. Because that has a couple of musical scenes in it. Brian, so what would you grade this, Brian? You're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to give it a C. I do think you're crazy. <laughs> I want to say thank Brian's you. Brian's the but... one. It's his fault <laughs> that this has such a high ranking in other places. All right, so be it. All right, let's add uh, this to our flick chart. Flickchart is a website that you guys can use. It allow- takes two movies and sets them up, and you choose between them. It allows you to create a ranked list of films. So we're going to add Phantom of Paradise to our flick chart. The first matchup is Phantom of Paradise or X-Men First Class. Nate. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (sighs) They're making making me do this because they know how much I hate X-Men First Class. And I'm going to resist going on a rant. Uh, I'm going to choose one racist and sexist movie over another and go with X-Men First Class. So Nate chooses racism and sexism? Is that what we're hearing? That's what you're hearing. (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll stand with Nate and choose X Men first. <laughs> Wait, what yeah. was the racist part in Phantom? That was what I was trying to figure out. I don't know. It's definitely sexism. Well, yeah. So you're right. I'm choosing a racist and sexist movie over a sexist movie. Uh, if you want me I'll to, go. Tom, I will make my X Men First Class racist argument again. No, I agree with you that X Men First Class is racist. 
but I'm also going X-Men first class. Yeah, X-Men first class. Yeah, Santa and the ice cream bunny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, X-Men first class wins. Am I... Am I high, or did that just make no sense, whatever Kevin just said? I mean, I, I know I'm high, but... We all completely understood him. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm kind of... I, I'm going X-Men first class, but in my head, Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny is just one step below Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're saying this isn't going to go well? Below or above? Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny is one step below. Because I can make sense of Phantom of the Paradise. Okay. As shitty as yeah. it was, I can make sense of it. Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny can't make any sense of that movie. I can make sense of it. Yeah. Some guy had extra money and wanted to make a movie for his <laughs> little girl. That makes sense. This doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. If this is the gift your dad gives you, like, you just... <laughs> Give it back. <laughs> what did I do, Dad? What did I do? <laughs> it was supposed to be an advertisement for an amusement park. Yeah. yeah. A very bad amusement park. <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise, our next matchup, it's up against... Straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. So we're just yeah. going to be, basically this is the uh, sexist movies ranking. <laughs> so far, keep going. Yeah. Straight out of Compton. I haven't seen it. Straight out of Compton wins. Next up, here you go. A movie that Kevin loves, apparently. Phantom of the Paradise. Under the or, um, <laughs> No, we haven't gotten to racist movies yet. Or, <laughs> or a more. We have. We just talked about first class. Didn't we just oh, talk right. about that? That's right. Yes, we did. <laughs> Amore. Amore didn't even have black people in it. That's how it <laughs> Yeah, as much as I dislike Amore, um, I'm going to go Amore. Yeah, Amore. Amore. Yeah. Phantom of the Paradise or Sharknado? Sharknado. Phantom of the Paradise. Sharknado. These are both awful movies, but Sharknado's boring. But Sharknado knows it's bad. It tries to it capitalize on boring. that. This, I, I get the feeling like they thought they were making a... They did, yeah. They thought they were making a good movie. movie. Yeah, that's true. All right, Sharknado. Tom? I uh, know. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a lot of trouble concentrating. Um, Sharknado. Sharknado wins. Phantom of the Paradise or Fateful Finding? Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is where I'm going to go Phantom of the Paradise. You know what Phantom of the Paradise was? It was it was like listening to an hour and a half of shrieking. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. And I'd That's rather what it felt watch like. Fateful Findings. Not only did I take my headphones off, but I, I kept turning the volume down. <laughs> On a music. Over and over again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think by the time, I think, yeah, by the time I had it down to like 50% or lower... It was really bad. Yeah. I would watch Fateful Findings again before I watch this again. Yeah, I agree. Kevin, you're the deciding vote. Phantom of the Paradise. Can I change my grade to an F? <laughs> yes, you can. No, they're set in stone. We live in Trump's democracy. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> democracy? Are you sure? That is an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, Tom, you can change your grade to you an have F. To, you have to submit a form. I think I've decided that I hate this film. <laughs> Fateful Findings wins. Phantom of the Paradise or Saving Christmas? Phantom, Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom, Phantom of the Paradise. Paradise. Yeah, that's that's the line. <laughs> Kirk Cameron's the line. Phantom of the Paradise actually wins. Good job, Phantom of the Paradise. That's your first win. Phantom of the Paradise or Nuki? <laughs> oh. Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom of the Paradise. 
I couldn't watch Nuki. Like, I physically couldn't. Like, that was part of the problem. Man, I felt that way about this, though. I felt that no, way like, about no, both movies. Like, wait, the wait, file. Nuki! <laughs> right, I watched other... Nuki in, like, 10-minute increments. What was the other character? It wasn't Nuki they kept saying. Like, Dookie? <laughs> Miko. Miko, yeah. Miko! Miko! Are you receiving me? <laughs> that was, Damn it. That was so bad. See, which, if you, if I had to choose which one I would watch right now, I would shoot myself. <laughs> yeah. oh. right, Gun to my up. head, I would say pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise, I guess. Oh, Phantom. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to argue either way, really. <laughs> no one's going to be like, how dare you? <laughs> exactly. How dare you choose yeah. that movie over this one? It, no, Phantom of the shit. Paradise wins. Uh, Phantom of the Paradise or The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash. Yeah, surprisingly, I can choose Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash wins unequivocally. <laughs> that might be the first time it's ever won. Thanks, boss. Wow, like Especially in a <laughs> unanimous vote. Yeah, quick, yeah. too. So uh, there we go. Wow. All right. And the flick chart says good enough. It's it's decided to end. Uh, goes to 100% suddenly. That Phantom of the Paradise is number 608 on our flick chart out of 623 movies. Wow. You picked a good one, Nate. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I guess there's a reason Brian De Palma never did a musical again. I was expecting just to be a little weird, not just an absolute shitstorm. Yeah, same here. All right, well, uh, we're going to move on and talk about Kevin's pairing. Welcome back. And we are going to round out this uh, very interesting podcast by talking about my choice, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. The the pairing to Phantom of the Paradise from Nate. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, I, like I said, uh, at the end of the last podcast, I, I remember hearing about this and, and was always curious and, and it got some buzz and then it was on Broadway for a while. Uh, I, I had no preconceived notion going into this other than I hoped it would be enjoyable. Let's start off with Tom. What did you think of this film? Um, I, I've known about this since it came out. Uh, I probably never would have sought this out on my own. I'm not going to try to be too philosophical because I just I don't have the concentration power right now. <laughs> Point is, I'm glad you picked this. I, I absolutely loved this film. Um, I thought the songs were fantastic. It's extremely creative with the way it's put together and filmed. I think, uh, what's his name? Hedwig. The actor. The, oh, the director. John Cameron Mitchell. Thank direct- you. Yeah. John Cameron Mitchell gives one of the best performances I've ever seen in a film. Thematically, it's not something I would, I probably would have sought out, but I think it's a, it's an amazing film. I want, I could listen to this soundtrack. I, I want this soundtrack. Like I want to be able to just listen to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was listening to the soundtrack in the car with uh, my younger daughter in there. And that whole line where it's like, where the amount of flesh where my penis was, the, the, <laughs> where my vagina never was. Right. I, I've only been a woman for five minutes, and I'm already on my period. And she looks at me and goes, what the hell kind of music do you listen to? <laughs> Nothing you listen to makes sense. Like, it's a soundtrack. It's fine. She's like, it's not okay. Oh, I could totally picture <laughs> that. That's hilarious. so confused about this whole thing. Yeah. But well, what's interesting is that 
and I think I realized this probably. I'm gonna say it was the scene where uh, Hedwig is making out with uh, is Tommy, Michael Pitt's character. Tommy Gnosis. Is that like I don't even see this character as a man or a woman. Like like neither one of those distinctions matter. It's like he, he she's <laughs> she's so fully yeah I know she's so fully her own person. I like that line. It's what I have to work with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, this movie just kept surprising me. Yeah. yeah, speaking of lines, it's genuinely funny. The line yeah. where um, they're like little comic bits that they do. Like the one time she says, I, I won't forget it. I, I tried singing back in Berlin. They threw tomatoes. After the show, I had a nice salad. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of quick, short, like dry humor comments, mm-hmm. either in the songs or, or just in the dialogue the scene, that I love. The scenes in the like rundown seafood restaurants where they're singing basically <laughs> punk rock to these old stodgy people that are right. just trying it's to get a car dinner wash. at four o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> to both Bill's of the waters. people in the audience. Yeah. Before I get into mine. Um Brian. This isn't a movie you're supposed to watch at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning, so <laughs> this isn't Saturday morning cartoon material. <laughs> That's something you but want to be eating Brian, your lucky got, charms too. It has a papal puppet penis. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> at, at, at the same time, <laughs> like, yes. Sorry. Actually, I, in reality, I don't. I don't think it, it matters what time of day I watch this. This just isn't like. This isn't my style of funny, and honestly, it's not my style of music either. So, like this, and it has nothing to do with the topics in the movie, but like the comedy and music just were like swings and misses for me just okay um, like you got you had to have laughed at this line when she goes he goes but jesus died for our sins and her mom goes so did hitler <laughs> I, I immediately texted kevin i'm like your movie just compared jesus to hitler <laughs> this is either the best movie ever or the worst yeah <laughs> i'm a real big fan of his work yeah <laughs> later in the movie yeah yeah this this movie honestly did nothing for me like i just i watched it and it was over and it was like okay on to the next one and i watched fan of the paradise which honestly i liked better than so so I can understand that i mean there are certain movies that are so specific to their audience you're either going to hit or miss, and that's okay. Is this movie is not for me? It, it's just kind of like it fell flat as a whole. I'm I don't think I've go, ever, I, I'm not going to go back and watch it. I don't think I've ever seen uh, rock and roll and show tune music melded so well. It's, but yeah. the lyricism so is it's yeah. the best rock opera I've ever seen. Yeah, and there it, yeah, there, I agree with there that. Really, aren't normally a lot of like rock operas are normally incredibly uneven. But it's such a visually. It's visual. I I want to see it live now because I wonder how you would do this stage wise. It's so yeah. fascinating the transitions. I, I I had a great time. And there's a lot of a lot of the jokes are also they are also very like the props the makeup like even that yeah. opening scene with his wings where it's Yankees go home and then he lifts the other one with me. And how they do some of the songs the song with the trailer where it falls down and they all. And now everybody and the little Disney sing-along comes on the bottom. And Did it's you guys just sing along? so wild. I, I couldn't help myself. I'm tapping my yeah. shoes. I'm like, do, do, do. Yeah, it's just a 
a wild kind of film. I'd be really curious to see how they do the transitions on stage because the makeup and the costumes are so exorbitant and big. And all the songs, what, I mean, this is a musical, and I can't think of a song that I was like, well, that's kind of mediocre. They were all, they also really explore this character. So they give you an insight. And so it's not yes. just, it's not just great music. It's also great storytelling, the way yeah. they um, yeah. reveal who this person is and how he ultimately hates himself. Yes, which, okay, so that, nobody's mentioned it yet. And I think I need some clarification. At the end of the film, does he realize he's having an internal battle with his gender? Does he, oh, does yeah. he find out that he is Tommy Gnosis? He is Tommy Gnosis? Yeah. I no. think yeah. he is. Yeah. And and No, I think he, he, he idealizes he wants to be that. He doesn't it, there's a part of him that wants to be that version of masculinity. He's jealous because there's issues where he's with the way that he treats like um Yitzhak. Um, who's also supposed to be, I was reading up a little, it's also supposed to be a transgender woman, um, but he's like, he doesn't want her to wear wigs, apparently. And apparently that's in the stage play. There's a whole scene. That's why she speaks with like a Russian accent. In, this, in the stage play, the, the actor that plays Hedwig also plays Tommy. They, they play, he plays both roles. I could see that. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, and I, I, at least this is what, from the ending, I got, he, what, he is Tommy Gnosis the whole time. It's just he hates himself for being a sellout, for not, not being who he is, not being okay with who he is. And at the end is when they, that's why he says goodbye to this part of himself that he hated and accepts himself, and he actually becomes who he's been all along, which is Tommy Gnosis. So the, so the, this car crash scene is just all fictionalized and it's not an exi- not existing at all in, oh, in reality. The whole movie is kind of fictional. He's following himself around and doing like the, these little shows, which is kind of the, the true artist, right? As opposed to the big shows, which is the sellout artist. And he's, it's about that struggle and not just the artistry, but himself. He hates himself for what he is. And it's him learning to accept that. That's why the they never have sex facing each other, right? Because they, he can't look at himself. He's he's disgusted with himself. By the end, he learns I, this is me. I'm, I'm happy with me. He's happy with him being the sellout. Not just the. No, he realizes he's not a sellout. Like he doesn't have. I don't think he is a sellout. Okay. Just because he's famous. I have to go back and rewatch it because I don't know. Because then that I think that deafens that deafens some of the arguments he has with like Yitzhak and some of the band and some of the stuff he's fighting for that takes away some of the interesting things with like um, the, the weird stuff with the uh, sergeant who he crosses the wall for. Why does that take that away? That's, I mean, that's just his story and how he got there. But so, did he get there and then become Tommy? Yeah. Gnosis? Yeah. So that's he, you know, after the sergeant leaves, he meets Tommy. So that's when he starts to become this person that, you know, he, I mean, Tommy okay. Gnosis see, I was, thought you were saying he was literally making up his like and stuff. No, like, he's no, always no, Tommy Gnosis. no. I, I think that yeah. this is the, like, that's when he started actually getting a little bit of fame. And so there's, it became almost like a split personality metaphorically. And from that point on the their relationship is metaphorical. I could see that. I mean, I, I could, there's a lot of hints and, and implications in that. And, and one of the first songs he talks about... And that's why he about, allows the other girl to finally dress in drag, because that's not his identity. He's happy oh, with who he okay. is, or she is, or, I mean, they you know is. what I mean? They, they are. are. 
They are. Yeah. Get your grammar right. All right. So let's grade this sucker. Uh, Brian? C. Ooh, I'm okay with that. I was expecting a D. Tom? A. Excellent. Nate? A. Steven? A. And I'm giving this an A, too. I, I surprisingly <laughs> enjoyed this. This is a mirror image of our grades for the last film. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, with uh, four A's and a C, it's an A minus, which is a Wally. This yeah. is. I, I told Kevin earlier. I think this is the best movie he's picked for the podcast. I just. I, I did not expect to enjoy this yeah. as much as I did. This is such yeah. a visually creative film too, yeah. which was totally unexpected. And, yeah. and the fact that I love the music was unexpected. Yeah. The fact that I that I love the main character as much as I did was unexpected. And that I, I think multiplies the the effect sometimes is is when you go in in either way and you're surprised either happily or, or the opposite. Um, so here's a good movie question for Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So it's kind of a fill in the blank. Uh, this movie proves that blank. What does this movie prove? That you need to be careful about your expectations. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I mean, I've seen this poster for this or the cover for yeah. this several times, and I'm like, nope. Oh yeah, yeah. many many times. Yeah, and I've been missing out. I wish I would yeah, have watched yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, I feel the same way. So this movie yeah. proves that I, I should need to check my expectations at the door. Or let me just, I thought that off the top of my head, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, I was trying to get around <laughs> that cliche, but yeah, that's basically what I was saying. I don't think I would have been able to handle this movie if I'd seen it when it came out. Like, in 2001? Yeah, yeah. At that time in my life. Yeah. Yeah, especially the, uh, she gets her dick cut off. That scene was awful. Hedwig and the Angry Inches. Yeah, it's really it quick. It wasn't six inches forward, five inches back, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's called the Angry Inch. Yeah, uh, I, I, I always knew it had something like that to do with the story. I didn't, um, but I, I never would have expected that's how it came about. Never thought that I'd see a movie where gummy bears were a metaphor for uh, blowjob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. No, I felt I felt really bad for this character. He's basically butchered, yeah. mm-hmm. well, and, and then butchered, and then left. And before yeah. that, yeah. And then abandoned. abandoned his father. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget that part. Was he? I yeah. thought that was left somewhat ambiguous. I mean, I, I the mother accuses him, but then it's just this scene. The only thing that we have is just because of the way that he lays, and then we see her laying the other way. Yeah. Well, that's not the only thing because you have the pictures he drew when he was a child too. The pictures he yeah. drew too. Yeah. So he'd been it's... sexually molested by a lot of men. Oh, yeah. Man, I yeah. missed that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely is fine. Not just molested, but clear. raped. I think so. Yeah. Actually, my answer to Nate's movie question was going to be that empathy transcends gender because mm-hmm. I really empathize with this character, and what I was saying earlier about that scene with. Uh, Michael Pitt's character is that like gender had no bearing on it anymore by that point. Yeah. There wasn't a like, Oh, this is a gay couple or. Yeah. Exactly. Like- also I have a, I have a, I don't know why, but I have an aversion to Michael Pitt. Uh, he was in funny games, funny games. That's oh. the, he's in funny games. Yeah. And I, I don't like him because of that. No, that I is- know him from, I know him from his like Larry Clark days, like bully and stuff like that. I don't know. Just something about him turns me off I, every time he's in a movie i just i do not like him 
And it, it's probably, it doesn't make much sense, but I was able to overcome my, he was, he was the biggest thing in this movie that I had an aversion to, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but I was able, able to overcome that. He's got a movie, oh no, Detective Chinatown 2. If, if he dies in that, I'll pick that for the next one so you can kind of have closure. <laughs> I don't need him to die. I just don't like watching him on screen. It's not like he's Jeremy Davies. <laughs> exactly. Oh, come on. All right, so we're going to add Hedwig and the Angry Inch to flick chart. The first matchup is our common litmus test at this point. Hedwig and the Angry Inch versus X-Men First Class. Hedwig. 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 X-Men. <laughs> Hedwig and the Angry Inch wins. Hedwig and the Angry Inch or Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Captain Hedwig. America. Hedwig. Hedwig. Uh, Hedwig. Tom? Oh, I said Hedwig. Maybe I had my mic off. Okay. He, so said, it, he said it when I said Captain America. Did he say it when America. you said it at the same time? Yeah. That's four Hedwigs Captain versus Captain America. So Hedwig this wins. Is, this is in my top 250 on my flick chart. Hedwig and the Angry Inch versus Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Not quite that far into my top two. <laughs> Citizen Kane. Yeah, Citizen Kane. I'm going to go Hedwig. I'd more fun. I would go Hedwig. Yeah. It's an Hed- interesting comparison. Sorry. It's an interesting comparison, though, because it's such a visually creative film. They both yeah. are. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not that Hedwig like changes the way films are made, but right. it's kind of on that same... For me, it's on that same level of just pure visual creativity. Yeah. Hedwig and the Angry Inch or Paddington 2. Paddington 2. I'm going to go Paddington 2. Two. I'm going Hedwig. 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 Family film of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Hedwig and the Angry Inch or Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies. Hedwig. Yeah, These are both Hedwig. about the same thing. Yeah. I'll go Hedwig. Yeah. These are both about the Berlin Wall. Interesting. Hedwig isn't so much about the Berlin Wall. No, that's Bosom Buddies. <laughs> oh, darn it. Wrong oh, yeah. Hedwig wins. Hedwig and the Angry Inch or Rubber. Hedwig. Rubber? Rubber has a special Fire. place in my heart. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm going to go Rubber. I think I'm going to go Rubber as well. About the murderous tire. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. It's so meta and self-aware, and yeah, it's just... It's good meta. Yeah, have, it's hard I to do. I haven't seen it, so I can't vote, but a fucking tire? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's a tire that explode, rolls around exploding people's heads. It's oh awesome. God. I know. You're I welcome. Mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's eight years in the making that I need to watch this thing, but holy shit. Yeah. Um, so that puts Hedwig and the Angry Inch at number 107 on our flick chart. So close to the top. All right, we're going to come back and tell you what we're watching next week. So you guys were nice enough to let me back on the podcast. (laughs) And you decided that you were going to let me pick movies again. That part's tentative, by the way. (laughs) That's probation. (laughs) So I decided to bring it back to classic Brian and pick 1944's Arsenic and Old Lace. If there's anything that defines Brian, it's old black and white movies. Yeah. <laughs> old black and white Frank Capra movies. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. It is about a newspaper man who is known for writing articles against marriage 
and it's actually him coming back home so he can get married and he learns a terrifying family secret and it was actually initially a stage play before it was a movie and that is why i chose for my theme stage to screen and kevin has the pairing to that kevin what is your pairing so i am picking hedwig and the angry inch again (laughs) i am totally just that every good. single time from here on out. <laughs> no, because no, Brian's always going to give it a C, and the more I pick it, the lower <laughs> his grade's going to go. So, no, I'm choosing uh, 2005's Edmund. Is It's about a fortune teller who gives... How do you spell that? I can't find a thing about it's it. It's E-D-M-O-N-D, not M-U-N-D. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and, it, and the fortune teller uh, gives this businessman a fortune that completely turns his life around which by itself seemed interesting but when i saw that william h macy was playing the lead character oh. i really like him yeah I did and too. in 2005 i think he was still not not that he's eased up but i think at that time of his career he was still very devoted and hungry for his craft so i'm, I'm really curious to see this is made by Stuart Gordon from a David Mamet screenplay. Oh. That is a weird combination. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's exactly why I chose it. <laughs> Stuart Gordon is the guy who did the reanimator, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, famous for 80s sort of, I mean, really good body horror. Um Ooh. Practical effects. Yeah, so this will be, and David Mamet, we've done him a little bit before. I think yeah. he's a better writer than he is a director sometimes. Yeah. Another sleeper. Sounds interesting. So the movie I was looking at is a French film, and I was like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Brian's choosing black and white. Kevin's choosing foreign films. (laughs) Stuart Gordon and David Mamet. How did they get together? But whatever, David Mamet was best friends with Shel Silverstein. We learned that. So maybe they all hung out together. This will be fun, though. So yeah, next podcast, uh, stage to screen movies. Edmund and Arsenic and Old Lace. So let's do the um, monster movies, and then we'll do stage to screen. Sound good? Okay. Thank you, Chewie.